luckily from the beginning, my first property, I went with a property manager. And then after a certain time, I got an assistant. And to this day, I have an assistant who does everything for me. She's wonderful. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation. It's Laurel Simmons here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out our online community yet? I really hope you do because our online community is a place where you can find lots of education, training, and information about real estate investing and about general business. Plus, it's a great place to network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all our podcast episodes, and tons of videos about a wide range of topics. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with our podcast. Welcome back, Right Club community, another episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm Alfonso Salemi, and today I am with Francois Lantier. Francois, how are you? I'm good and good, and you? Very good, very good, my friend. Uh, super excited, super uh, super pumped. Life is uh, seeming to get back to normal, more in-person meetings. There's signs of things, you know, maybe closing back down, but, you know, staying positive and Lots of opportunities out there. And, you know, that's what we're talking about today uh, on our podcast. But uh, but what are you up to, Francois? Well, I know you're uh, you're always in different types of deals, and, you know, looking at different types of properties, lots of experience. What are you up to? What's keeping you busy? Yeah, right now, vacation rentals. So Tamarindo in Costa Rica, I put a deposit on a beautiful pre-construction house. And uh, Florida as well, I'm looking at several vacation rentals short term. So that is keeping me busy and stock options. So this is kind of sort of the theme of this podcast. So I am into that as well. Alfonso, congrats on the seven years at Jag Properties. What's new with you? Yeah, awesome. Well, before I say that, I, I definitely want to be one of the early renters or one of the first ones at, uh, sure. at, at your sunny properties, because definitely as the winter's coming, I definitely need some vitamin D, that's for sure. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, as we're recording this podcast, we are, we are just about uh, two days away from actually celebrating our seven years of being incorporated wow. in business. And uh, it's been an amazing ride. Our team has grown. Uh, we just recently hit an awesome milestone where we've actually completed 100 rent-to-own properties where we've sold back to our tenant buyers. So that means completed from beginning to end, sold back to our, our tenant buyers and, you know, and created over 100 new homeowners that it wouldn't have been possible without the rent-to-own program. Uh, and as we continue to grow our team, uh, yeah, and continue to find properties, we're we're putting together some more uh, training for realtors and mortgage brokers uh, so that they can help their clients. It's getting tougher and tougher to qualify, so we have a great solution for them for them to still close some business and help uh, help their clients. So if you are a realtor, mortgage broker, listening to this podcast, or you know one, and if you're a real estate investor, you know a few, but. Uh, for, for, for the rent-to-own program is definitely putting some things in place so that we can help more and more people get into home ownership and continue to grow that number. But uh, but today, an amazing, amazing guest, such amazing info, just a really, really good person as well, too. He's got lots of experience, you know, had some great advice, 
Omar Khan is on the podcast. He's a real estate investor. He's also, you know, a stock investment trading uh, investor as well. So he talks a little bit about both, how you can utilize both to create your portfolio. And we talk about that cycle or that merry-go-round that you can put that money to work. So really, really awesome podcast um, and, and a great guest on there today. And if you do enjoy the podcast and you are listening to this, please do not forget to rate, review it on whatever um, medium that you are listening to. Uh, or, or listening to this podcast, it helps us reach out to more people out there, rate, review it, get in touch with us. If there's an amazing guest or someone, maybe yourself that wants to be on the podcast, get in touch with us. And we'd be happy to have you share your story and how we can continue to help the community grow through those stories in different ways. So uh, really looking forward to the interview today. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, Omar Khan. We are so excited to have you on and chat today. Omar is from uh, Theta Trading. And for all of these uh, in the Right Club community, Omar, give us a little bit of a background, a little bit about who you are and how you've gotten to uh, to where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Alfonso. And first of all, thanks guys for having me on. Uh, yeah, a little bit of background about who I am. Um, I'm a stock guy who out of necessity turned into a real estate guy because I had to figure this out. So just a bit about my background. I grew up in an immigrant household. So not a lot of money nor financial literacy growing up. So growing up, didn't want to be broke. So I had a finance background. I went to University of Toronto, got an uh, economics degree, and I began trading in 1998. Now flash forward to 2008, massive, massive market crash, right? Global financial collapse. I had all my money in the stock market. Market went down substantially. Now it did recover. But it made me realize that I need to have more than one asset category, not just one asset category ever again. So I said, from that point on forward, I will never have all my money in the stock market. So I learned how to buy real estate in 2008 or nine. Bought my first property in 2010. And I bought, uh, um, I had north of 35 properties, I think of 37 of them at the, at the highest point. But I did it in a very, very short time span. So what I do today is I trade options. I use that cash flow to buy real estate. I use the positive cash flow from the real estate to beef up my trading account. It's just a very nice circle that happens over and over and over again. That's it. Just roll over and over and over again. That's all I do. So yeah, that's a bit about me, Alfonso. Yeah, that sounds fun. It sounds like a you know like a Ferris wheel. You know that kind of you know up and down movement, moving from <laughs> uh, from one side to the other, and you see out of necessity. So you, you mentioned 37 properties in a short period of time. So what are we talking about? Like what type of investing in real estate were you focusing on or, and, and how did you go about, you know, starting in investing? In yeah. Investing? Yeah. So I first started real estate in 2010. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, you know what? I got to buy a real estate. I have to buy real estate. So I live in Mississauga, Ontario. I was driving by Milton, saw a new subdivision popping up. I'm like, Hmm, wow. Maybe I should buy some real estate. I walked in. I went and bought uh, two pre-construction linked houses, you know, just attached to the garage only. And 2010, I paid 355000 each for two 2,000 square foot houses. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I need to get into real estate. So I bought these two things. And only later did I realize it was a terrible move cash flow. I should probably should have been buying completely somewhere else. So I joined Rain. And from Rain, I learned how to buy real estate the right way. And then... I kept buying and buying and buying. Yeah, that was my education to, into real estate. You know, buying for cash flow first versus buying for, uh, you know, capital appreciation. And then I started buying in Hamilton, Ontario in 2010. And what I started doing is I started, you hear Hamilton guys do? Yeah. So I started buying uh, anywhere along the future LRT route, right? So 
So you always go to City Hall, you find out where the infrastructure projects are coming in because almost everyone is lazy. Nobody will go to actual City Hall and find out where the infrastructure projects and future developments are coming from. So I went, I found out, I bought along all along the LRT route. Mostly start off with single family houses, BR4, get out with almost all my capital complete out of the project, cash flow, move on to the next project over and over and over and over again. And then I moved into commercial properties. Cool. And that, did you, that was it. Did you ever use like a line of credit from those properties to invest or like what? Or just the cash flow? Or, yeah, you went above and beyond? Yeah, yeah. Well, because the cash flow itself isn't going to do it. Eventually, property, because let's say, for example, back then I was buying houses for, let's say, 160 grand. Let's say you put 40 in to renovate it because you're buying an absolute pile of crap for 160 grand downtown Hamilton back then. Right? You put 40 in. Now you're in for 200. Bank goes and says, hey, this thing's worth 240. They give me 80% of 240. What is that? Worth of the 192? You know, at 192, I'm pretty happy, right? I only put 200 of my own money in. I'm walking out with the eight grand roughly, you know, give or take some soft costs, but it allowed you to either get every property free or very near free. If it wasn't for the banks and their challenges, like the banks are the biggest impediment, in my opinion, to growing your real estate portfolio. They're not, they have no common sense. They're not able to think outside the box. If they were, I would have continued doing this, but they make it so difficult, so increasingly difficult that you're like, you know what? I've had enough. I cannot do this anymore. It's just it's just too difficult at some point to get loans. So you wind up moving to commercial, right? Yeah. So in the commercial properties, was that like commercial, like high rise apartment buildings? Was that businesses that were renting out these buildings? And where were you doing that? Yeah. Same thing, Hamilton, Ontario. So I started buying small little, uh, you know, threeplex, fourplex, fiveplex, 10, 15, little strip plazas, that type of stuff. And just accumulating one by one. And that was it. Yeah. Same thing again. You try to pull the BR4 method on there, you know, what I would try to do is I would try an absolute pile of crap. I would go there, I would renovate it, I would refinance it, pull almost all my capital out, hopefully all of it out, and then cash flow and leave the property. That became obviously increasingly more difficult as prices were rising. Uh, but back then it was very doable. So that's why when I said I bought so many in a very short time span, it's because you're able to identify the opportunity. If you're not able to identify the opportunity, it's completely useless. So back then in Hamilton, when houses were selling for 160 grand, it's a complete no-brainer. You know, you're renting these houses for 14, 1500 bucks. Your all-in expenses are 700 bucks, maybe 800 tops. Complete no-brainer. Wow. Uh, but so you have to act really, really quick. That's what I did. And if you started in 2006, when the rules were very different with mortgages, you could buy no money down deals, like or even cash back. My first yeah, house. I know. I got it with cash back. They paid you to own the house, which you <laughs> yeah. don't get that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't fortunate. I, I didn't get into real estate until 2010. Way like way like way later. Like I didn't. Th I didn't think I'd ever be a real estate investor, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you had gotten in 2006, it would have been way easier because no down payment. I remember before I got in, you had to go five percent to twenty percent. Even before that, you could buy these properties with five percent down payments. So back then, it was a whole different world. And, Uh, and, and, you know, you can see it's gotten more and more, uh, more and more people are real estate investors. Uh, so the government has to be very careful about what they're doing. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas. And for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. 
That's right. And Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah. And, and that's interesting. So what, one last question, you know, what, what does the portfolio look like today in terms of your real estate? Like what are, what are you managing? What are you working on? Are you, are you currently buying more? So obviously we're talking from, you know, eight and 10 years ago, you know, things change and always, you know, with hindsight, things look easier in 10 years from now, maybe we're going to look back and say, Oh, it was so easier. And prices were only that much, but what, yeah. what are you currently working on? And what are the type of real estate projects that, that excite you or that you're working on? I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just uh, holding all my commercial properties I have right now. I sold off the vast majority of my, my, my uh, single family homes uh, because it was personally affecting my credit. It's such a, it's such a massive impact on your own personal credit. So I had to get rid of those. Commercial luckily doesn't impact your your credit really. So I have my commercial properties that I have in place. I am not adding to my portfolio. And the simple reason is because at these numbers, it doesn't make sense for me. And because I understand the stock market quite well, I'm able to look at both asset categories and objectively see where I see more opportunity. And right now it's not in the real estate market. It doesn't mean it won't be in the future. Or sorry, I should say this much. It's not in the Southern Ontario region where I live. There are other regions where I could do what I wanted to do and be successful at it. But it would, in Southern Ontario, you know, with, with the landlord tenant laws the way they are, which I find to be extremely one-sided, it's extremely one-sided. That combined with the increasing prices and the forecast of rates going up over the next couple of years, uh, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable buying at these prices. Uh, so that's where I'm. I'm just holding my portfolio. I will add to it when the opportunity presents itself. Cool. And your stock options. So do you buy in REITs? Maybe you're still doing real estate there or investment funds of some kind or? Uh, no, in the stock market, I don't stick to REITs. I stick to, I look at companies that are, that are transforming the world like Tesla, uh, companies that are able to change the way we live. And, and, and so I stick to companies that I believe in that way. Uh, blue chip companies, uh, not blue chip, household companies that you've probably heard of, right? Uh, so the main thing I will say is this though. If you can't look at two asset categories, it's very difficult to objectively understand where to allocate your money. And that's the same problem I had before I became a real estate investor. And this is, this is my, this is my you know, challenge to real estate investors. Step outside of your comfort zone. The, like when I, when, I was, when I was buying my first property, I only knew the stock market. It's because in my mind, I believe the stock market was the only way really to get wealthy. And I find over the years that when I talk to real estate investors about the stock market, they're also very closed-minded. And my point is, is if you learn multiple asset categories, it's far easier to make a decision on where to put your money. You're not going to be pigeonholed into one investment. You'll be able to be more opportunistic, wait, and say, oh, wait, I have other places to put my money. Uh, and I think that could be a bit of a problem for real estate investors, because I know a lot of real estate investors personally, and you know, they just, just keep buying regardless of price. There's no more thought process. 
it's just buy, 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 and everything will just go up forever. Well, I'm, I, and I keep saying, well, it's probably not going to work out that. Well, and, and I love that you bring that up because I, I can put my hand up. Maybe I'm, you know, a victim of that or not comparing, or maybe just kind of, you know, having the blinders on and saying, you know what, I'm, I don't understand the stock market. To me, it's like college football. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's confusing. There's a lot of different things, you know, with yourself having, you know, the financial background that you have, you said, you know, with economics degree uh, and you understand that. I think that's the biggest thing is that the financial literacy is part yeah. of that, right? Of comparing that, you know, well, that's apples and oranges. Well, they're both fruit, right? So you can still compare the two, right? So when when you're talking to, you know, use the real estate investors or maybe someone like myself that is saying, hey, you know what? I don't, where do I start? Or how do I get involved? Or how do I even make that comparison? Because I know I can touch one of my properties. I, I know the cash flow. I know who my client is. Where, do, where does someone start or begin to learn? And like you're saying, household names, you know, people are, you know, the, you know, the, the big stocks that are out there and that go across the different, you know, tickers and things like that. Where do you get that initial knowledge that someone doesn't have that economics background like yourself to kind of compare the apples and the oranges? First of all, I will say I learned none of this in school. Nothing. Zero is taught in school. Nobody in school teaches you how to make money. They just teach you how to get a job. So when I went to the University of Toronto and got an, like an economics degree, I learned nothing about making money. Not one thing. So that's the, the first thing. Okay, you, don't need any back, you don't need any background. Uh, if somebody really wants to get started, you know, uh, the reason, I don't want to get too much into, this, into the stock market, but we created Theta Trading uh, two years ago for that very purpose, to give people education into the stock market and financial literacy in the market itself. Um, and I would suggest the first place to look is maybe just go to our YouTube channel and just start educating yourself. Just start thinking about it. You know, the same thing I did when I first started buying real estate. I started working out models. Okay, how does it, if I put down 20%, I extrapolate it outwards, a 4%, 5% growth rate. If I had positive cash flow, like I started building out models. If I had one property, two properties, three properties. The key with real estate is leverage. Leverage is what really does it for you, right? You want a $20 million portfolio or $30 million portfolio or something like that. You know, how much of your own money is in there? Maybe eight, 10 million bucks, right? So it's not, you know, you, you've got that leverage factor and you got it, let's say you got a, $20 million portfolio and it goes up, you know, 8%. Well, that's $1.6 million. It's very difficult for people to save $1.6 million doing anything, right? That's why real estate is so powerful. Real estate is challenging is the cash flow. Cash flow is very, very challenging. So that's what I would suggest to people. I would suggest start educating yourself and start seeing whatever you do, don't be close-minded though. That is what I'm really good. Don't be close-minded because most real estate investors they're like, real estate is the only thing in the world that works. I'm like, that's a horrible attitude to have. Terrible. It's going to get you in a lot of trouble. But, you know, it's hard to tell that to people who are fixated on one thing. So It's so easy to, to fall into that trap because a lot of us have been burnt in 2008. That's when I had a lot of stocks and different things. I didn't self-manage, so I had no idea. I just put the money. Yeah. I'm like, let's hope it does something. And for the most part, it went down. And then a lot of investors got scared and turned to real estate. That's my yeah. story anyway. And I know. But the thing is the stock market, like for example, the stock market's always recovered, right? Like it, it yeah. does go down from time to time recovers. But here's the thing with the real estate market now. Like again, I'm a real estate investor too. But from like in the Southern Ontario region from 1999 to today. Okay. That's like 22 years now. This market has gone nowhere but north in a hurry. You know, to me at some point, it's the same thing that happens in the stock market. We look at irrational pricing and say, hey, that is now getting to be unfounded, irrational. 
Like if I'm buying a commercial property, Hamilton with a three cap, why would I do that? I, I don't, there's just no throw reason your money to me, out. Because <laughs> I don't understand how to do anything else. That's why I'm buying a three cap. Or yeah. unless I really, really believe in something. But my expected rate of return on capital, my expected return on invested capital, you know, how high could it be when I'm buying it at such a cap rate? Am I expecting cap rate compression? Am I expecting rates to go down? I don't think so. My, my point is, when people start buying at these things, at, at, at some things when valuations don't make a lot of sense, it's because they have excess capital and little knowledge. A lot of money, no idea what to do with it. That is the problem. And that's kind of when you see market tops. Same thing happens, by the way, in the stock market. They're very transferable that way. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah, no, I'm listening to this, and you know what? It's true because I, I, again, I'm, I'm victim of that of maybe looking at only one way, and and there are different ways to to produce income and, and to provide that and looking at that. So, um, you know, like again, at the end of the day, when when you're looking at real estate, whether it's the stock market, you're always about that time investment. So, in terms of you know your real estate portfolio, the time that it took you to build that, from the time that you're spending on educating and learning about the stock market, talk a little bit about what the investment of time would be for somebody you know to 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 get to a certain point where they're confident as you are, you know, in, in terms of putting their their money in the stock market. Yeah, real estate. It took me a long time to build my real estate portfolio. You know, when you're doing like you know your BRR method, like it's it's a lot of work involved. Like there's no doubt, there's a lot of work involved between you know, managing contractors and, and, and dealing with the bank and insurance companies. Luckily, from the beginning, my first property, I went with a portfolio manager, I mean, a property manager. And then after a certain time, I got an assistant. And to this day, I have an assistant who does everything for me. She's wonderful. She does all my paperwork. I'd be in terrible, terrible trouble without her. And she coordinates everything with the property manager, which means I get to do my favorite thing, which is nothing. You know, I'm down to about one hour a month, right? We have one call per month. And I have one, one hour per month. Now, initially building the portfolio took a lot of work. But now at the maintenance level, it's nowhere near as much work because you know, you've got a property manager and then you've got a full-time assistant who looks after everything. So it's a very easy thing to manage. Um, I did a course back a few years ago called Strategic Coach by Dan Sullivan. It was a very expensive course that I paid for, for four days. But I learned something extremely valuable. Outsource systemize, delegate all tasks in your life. And ever since then, I learned the value of time. Like, you know, not doing groceries or cutting grass or cooking your food or all these other tasks in life that take up so much of our time. You just translate that to the business world. So I did that with real estate. So I'm down to one hour per month. Wow. So when, I, when I'm able, when I want to add to my real estate portfolio, it'll be a lot easier to add. I'm just going to add, move into the process, right? Add, move into the process. And that way, quite frankly, if, even if I'm not there, all I really have to do is identify the opportunity, 
and my assistant and property manager can take it from there. So, That's yeah, excellent advice. To, yeah, it's a good spot to be in. It's important to start early as well before you're overwhelmed with like, because it's easy in real estate. Like you said, the burr is a lot of work and you get done, like covered in paperwork, then year end and yeah. you just want to give up. So it's important to get assistance. And in Canada, it might be a little pricey. It's not for everybody, but think outside the box again, be open-minded. You can, you can get also, virtual you can, you, yeah, you can outsource the via virtual. Assistant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's the mindset people have people, you know, most people have the mindset of, Oh, I can do this task on my, on myself. But the understanding has to come that, that time is the most valued commodity. So your time is the thing that you have to try to preserve. So outsource all these tasks to somebody else and you focus what you're good at, which is scaling your real estate portfolio. Real estate's a portfolio. Real estate is something that's, that can be scaled well if you have a good system in place, if you have people on your team that you can trust. But that, that's the key. Uh, you've got to build a good team and then, and then it's, it's pretty easy to scale, especially on the commercial side. I know you guys have commercial properties too, right? Which is a great thing. You don't have to worry about income and all that stuff. It's very simple, right? You, your, your, your DCR, either 1.1 or 1.2, 1.15, depending on institution, that's kind of all you got to worry about. It's a lot easier. Yeah. No, that, that's great advice. And, you know, maybe, you know, we talk about delegating, having the right team members. What are some other things that are translatable from looking at real estate investing into stock market trading uh, and investing? What, what are some of the things that the skills that, you know, maybe your own personal skills that are translatable into those two different realms? I think identifying asset prices, it's a, think about our logic, okay? Money will always flow to where it gets the best return, okay? That's, that's what it does. Now, educated, intelligent, informed investors understand where to put money, right? Now, the reason some asset categories get the bubble territories, as it has happened with the stock market in the past, and has happened with real estate in the past, is because it's too much money and not enough knowledge chasing one particular asset category. And that's how I find it quite transferable. I, like when I am able to identify bubbles in the market, the stock market, you can see asset pricing re reaching you know, abnormally quick levels fast. And you can see the same thing on real estate as well. People, you know, I'm not saying it's a, it's a bubble or it's going to pop or I'm not saying any of that stuff. All I'm saying is the pricing is substantially higher than it was years ago. And I'm not able to get anywhere near the same opportunity in Hamilton for me personally. So I think that is one thing that is very transferable, being able to look at when you say, okay, well, my expected rate of return on this, if I hit, you know, these parameters, is 7% a year for the next 10 years. You got to put all the variables and I can do the same thing in the stock market and identify company that I want to invest in. Those way, that way it's very transferable. Uh, asset prices, right? So for example, if you look at a company, let's say you look at a company like Apple, you evaluate on the balance sheet, the financial statements, you look at the earnings and you say, okay, I think Apple is worth X amount of dollars per share. It's the exact same thing as when you look at an apartment building. You know, you look at an apartment building, you can look at rent roll, you look at cap rates. You look at what is my what is my capex expenditure? How much can I get the rents up? What can I what can I refi my property out of? It's the same sort of uh, exercise that you go through when you when you evaluate a real estate property. You do the same thing on the stock side. It's the unfortunate part is not many people know how to do both, and that's why I would encourage people learn how to do both so you can make really well informed decisions. 
Yeah, I love it, man. You're like a you're like a chameleon. You have the the experience in both. You 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 understand both and comparing the two. And and I'm looking forward to more conversations because I do think you know you you have to be looking at different ways to 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 get your money working for you, right? Whether that's real estate and you know like again, there's different areas. You know, we're talking specifically southwestern. Again, I'm a Hamilton guy, and I've seen the prices just go up, and I'm like, what? That place when right? Yeah, I know, right? Hard, <laughs> right. And it's it's yeah. it's hard to to hard to realize that. But again, I also look at, you know, and again, there's challenges from both sides, there's advantages to both sides, and just yeah. knowing that and having that. And I like what you said about the information versus just chasing that money and following that and, and understanding. So um great yeah. advice and yeah, great, great advice. And you can tell it's coming from a place of knowledge and, and and experience as well, too. So well that's that's how bubbles are created, right? You look, you look at real estate, right? Like, like I don't know about you guys. Like I know so many people right now who have pre-constructions. So many people. And that worries me. I'm like, you know, dude, you, I go, you leveraged your last property. You took a line of credit up for a down payment on this property. Right? Now you've done that with two other properties. I'm like, you can't close all these properties. I, these, are, these are people I personally know myself, right? So and I know if I know them personally, there's more of them out there. And, my, and, and the reason is because you get, it's, a, it's, a, it's alluring. Prices keep going up, up, up. You start thinking you're bulletproof. And nothing can ever go down. And then it just keep chasing it all the way up. And that's when you get, you know, inflated pricing. I think we're starting to see, hopefully. Now, it's still underpinned by very, very good demographics. So 500,000 new people, Canadians moving into Canada in the next three years alone, each year. You know, you've got, you've got still a pretty good economy, uh, low interest rates. You've got a lot of positive factors. But the point is, you know, is our asset price is going to go up forever and ever and ever, you know. People forget when I was when I moved to Mississauga in 1987, my parents bought a home, and that home went up uh, from about a, I think it was 100 and maybe 160 to about 250 thousand back then within a year or two or a couple of years. Okay, it went back down. It didn't recover in value until the late 90s. So from 1987 to 1999 in Mississauga, the real estate market pretty much did nothing. Um, so that's my point. And people have short memories. They think that this is only going to continue forever. Of course, long-term, I'm a huge believer in reset. Same with you guys. It's a, it's a great hedge against inflation too, right? Uh, so they all have their positives and, and, and negatives. My point is to objectively learn to identify where to put your capital to work. If you can't do that, it becomes very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. No, great advice. And uh, yeah, appreciate that, Omar. Uh, I think we've reached uh, the point of the podcast that it's time for our lightning round. So Omar, are you ready for the All lightning right. round? Let's do it. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Awesome. All right. So uh, I guess I'll start with the first question of the lightning round. What, uh, what is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Always understand what you're investing in and why you're investing in it. Yeah, it's important. Again, the knowledge. 
So with knowledge, you have power and you can make the right decisions. Great. Yeah. Uh, that means but, that means that means if you don't understand something, don't just like if I don't understand Bitcoin, I'm not going to buy it. No. Just because everyone <laughs> else is going to buy it. I don't care. I must understand this. No, I that's so that was true. great advice. Yeah. My son's trying to explain it to me and I still don't get it. So <laughs> <laughs> question number two. So what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? Could be a book, a podcast, like a source of information. Uh, a source of information for me uh, would be, I like to read, uh, you know, I have a, so many friends that are in the community still. So I, I, I generally listen to them and what they think of forecasts. And also uh, anything Don Campbell related. That's a gentleman I really, really respect in the industry. I uh, think he did a phenomenal job. I learned a lot from found that guy to be very classy, uh, very knowledgeable. So anything Don Campbell related, and just to keep a pulse myself on the ground through all the friends I have in the industry. So that's what I use, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, question number three. What is the attribute that has made you successful? Uh, necessity, poverty, right? Not growing up with any money. This is, it's either figure it out or be broke. And I was like, there's no way I'm dealing with being broke. There's zero chance I'm going to do that. So that was it. Hey, what's the old saying? Uh, uh, you know, this, uh, necessity is a mother of all invention, right? So that's what it was. Love so it. true. You've reinvented yourself completely, quite successful. So congrats on, on taking action. That's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, same with you guys. So question number four is, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? Uh, Sunday morning, I get up always, always late. Always. Sunday is the one day that you can afford to get up late. It's always a sleep-in day. And then from there, I proceed to have breakfast with my family. And then hopefully, hopefully my beloved Dallas Cowboys are playing and I can watch them. If it's not off-season, just do a family activity. But if the Cowboys are playing, watch my Cowboys. They're looking good this year, too. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Awesome. Omar, for those of uh, the community that they wanted to reach out and uh, get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing, how can they do that? Yeah, you can shoot me an email at omar at thetatradingco.com or just shoot a message to any one of our uh, our platforms on uh, on social media and be able to get a hold of you. Yeah. And then I'll uh, let me know the questions and I'll be happy to help anyone out. Excellent. Thank you very much. And any final word of advice or parting words? No, I think, I think the one thing I will say is I think the next five to 10 years, uh, and I think we'll look back at this thing, we're, we're about to enter a serious transformation in human life, right? Like a serious, serious transformation where so many new things are coming up, like electric vehicles, things that are radically going to change our lives. I, I, would, uh, I would encourage people to look into what these changes are. Uh, not only will it change humanity significantly, it could also uh, be very profitable. So yeah, that's all I'm going to leave with you. Amazing. Thanks so much, Omar. and appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for having you. me on, guys. I appreciate it. So, Alfonso, what did you learn from this amazing interview? You know what? I love the idea of, you know, opening up that mindset. You know, maybe as a real estate investor, you always get caught up in the same thing, doing it the same and over. We always talk about, you know, staying or getting outside of the comfort zones and trying new things. And, you know, if, you know, like I said, we, you know, we've been doing rent to owns for seven years. This has really opened up my mind to maybe to find another income stream that can help, you know, with, with cash flow or, you know, long-term investing as well too. So definitely, uh, you know, it sparked some ideas in my mind of, you know, how to get creative and getting, you know, more money to work for, for you. Uh, how about you, Francois? Cause I know you've been learning about this as well too, you and Jennifer. So what, what, uh, what did you take away from this podcast? Yeah. I love the idea that 
I think it's not actually on the podcast, but using some of that cash flow that you're creating through stock options to, well, he did mention it, to pay off some of your properties in markets where there is no financing. So I mentioned Costa Rica. There's no real financing option. I mean, of course, you can use a line of credit, uh, find creative ways, but this is a great way of supplementing that income and creating something fun. So uh, my, my vision for 2022 is fun. <laughs> Not everything will be fun, but that's my goal for real estate investing. It's got to be fun. It's got to bring some new, fresh element. So that's something there that I, that I learned. So, Yeah, absolutely. And we got to continue to learn, continue to grow. And this is just another thing that, uh, that we can put in that, uh, you know, in that perspective, in, in our lives, that it's, you know, that continual growth mindset. And that's what uh, the Right Club community is all about, continuing to grow, helping you grow and helping others grow around you so that we can all achieve more together. And uh, yeah, super, super great uh, podcast. Great, uh, great for you to join uh, join me today, Francois. Thank you so much. And if you, again, if you have uh, enjoyed the podcast, listen to the podcast, please rate, review, share with a friend. And don't forget to get to the Right Club community website. That's the rightclub.com and, uh, and get in touch and reach out with us. So uh, thanks so much. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.